Hi, everyone. Welcome. Welcome back. You're listening to Autism on Shift, where we talk to other autistic people about what we do for work. Thanks for joining us. Here we go. So today we are talking to Scott. Scott is... Hi, Scott. Welcome. Hiya. Uh, Scott is an IT specialist. We are really excited to talk to Scott about his job and also his theories on neurodiversity. So we're happy to have you, Scott. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Hi there. Hi. Yes. (laughs) From lovely England is a bit different accent to what you're used to. (laughs) You could be a multinational kind of like podcast here, can't you? (laughs) So? so tell us what your job is like. Tell us what it is you, you do and what a day looks like for you. Uh, basically, my, my job title is um, IT specialist, and that is, it, it probably sounds more posh than, than what it is. Um, I don't like it when people call me an IT specialist. Um, <laughs> oh, it, no, 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 that's my job title. Um, but, but yeah, I, I found it very odd that I'm the only person... Um, where I work that has that job title and I would like it changed but some part of me goes I'm special I'm different to everyone else but yeah basically what that involves is um, I'm in an IT department for local government and basically I deal with IT and IT issues for everyone that works in that local government office and all of the councillors so you've got all the members of staff that are working around our town and we've also got all the councillors that are also representing their areas because they all have IT equipment but we have a lot of other systems as well because as you might well have in your country we have we have tax system we have housing system um, we've got like licensing systems for taxis um, we've got the crematories for for people that pass on to the next life um you know we've got work services unit that deal with like the bin lorries and things you know there's there's all sorts of different areas and it all comes down to computers and it and that comes back to us and that's what what we do we cover all of those areas so what makes my job different to a normal it person is i'm a techie side of the job it's not a case of pulling the paper out of the printer um, I'm the one that would set up the printing system on the back end. Okay. So when you see that printer come up on, on your printer list, that's connecting to the print server system at the back end. We have to, you know, install the servers from scratch and, and set up policies and push it out to all the computers so you can see it. You know, and plus we have a Citrix system as well. So we've got a virtual desktop system there, which people can log on to. We've got laptops that people log on remotely with, so when that goes down, we have to get them working again. It's it's very, very broad and very diverse, and when it gets technical, that's when it hits my seat. So when the first line support can't deal with it with their quick and easy questions, it's a very interesting job. It can be a very tiresome job, a very taxing job. Um, Yes, I have my own number in the office that people can phone from outside of the office. And once people know that you're capable of what you're doing, huh. they make note of that number and they continuously phone you. Um, oh, no. So there is a frustrating... <laughs> there is. There's a lot of cell phones out there with uh, the name Scott, IT guy, or something like yeah. that. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. man. 
I tell you, I loved the day when I moved teams and they changed my um, my phone extension on my desk, and it was amazing because they put the apprentice on my old number, <laughs> and I walked around the building and I could see little post-it notes everywhere on people's phones where they'd write my number down and they put oh extension eight five oh five Scott, and then then about a week later I'm walking around the building and going Scott, have you changed your number? Because every time I phone this number, I keep getting this girl called Lauren, and she doesn't know who you are. It's just like, yeah, it's great. <laughs> you changed your dog. Yes, and I'm not telling you what it is. <laughs> I you, love it. Can you imagine how much more I can get done when you don't call that number? It's amazing. Oh, yeah, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. The trouble, I used to be on the service desk, but the trouble is I was put on there to support the other people on the service desk because they're not as, as adept and skilled as what I was. And so they're all busy making notes, but the trouble is people wanted to speak to me because they don't want it to be diagnosed for half an hour. They want it fixed in two minutes, and so they'd want to speak to me because <laughs> I'd just jump straight on and go, yep, sorted, because I don't want the distraction. I just want to get on with my day. So, so it was fun, but it could be incredibly frustrating at the same time. So, yeah, it's, it's a... Yeah, it's it's a wonderful. Job. I love it. I, I see it as a hobby rather than a job. I go into work and it's just the hours go by and it's just like yeah. Some days I walk home or come home and think I don't think I've achieved anything today. Other days I'll hit something that's been really technical and difficult to get through and I feel like I've achieved something big. But it's um yeah every every day's different. So I, I can't say it's it's boring it's the same thing every day you know it's, it's it's different every day i mean it's it's not you don't go in and, and have to do filing and you keep filing thing i've done those jobs i've done my apprenticeship you can keep those <laughs> you paid your dues huh you gotta start somewhere that's the thing i imagine so. um with all those different places that you named you do you do a lot of traveling from building to building too or do you mostly do it remotely I do it remotely. Well, we do it remotely as best we can. There's there's okay. times when you can't, but it's it's in the same town, so I tend to use it as an excuse to leave the building. But it's um, because it's it's nice to get out and see other people, especially in the last twelve months when not many people come into the office. It's nice sure. to see a new face. Um, where my office used to be full of about twenty odd people, there's three of us now. Oh. So it's nice to see people but it's nice to have that space sometimes so yeah I'll, I'll travel around it's not far so it's but it's nice to get a break from it sure that makes sense that's cool nice so how did you start um did you go to school for computer science i know you have like a you, you know you mentioned a lot of different jobs in your history which is fascinating um you sound like me <laughs> <laughs> can you tell us like the progression of how you got where you are Basically, I've done all sorts of jobs, and it's all—I put it down to fate. It's um, if it, you're either going to have those jobs or you're not. It's not you can you can try as hard as, as you want trying to get the job that you'd like, but you might find after getting it that it isn't for you. Um, I originally wanted to be a car designer. I wanted to design houses and cars. Awesome. And then I wanted to be, well, what it is, is when you're at school, you, you have to pick a job that you're interested in. And me being me, I just picked the one that paid the most. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was a barrister when I was 13. I like, get paid loads of money. Yeah, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> but um, I think it got to about 13, 14. And my dad went to college. He was made unemployed. And he went to college and he was doing computers. 
And of course, I'd had a computer since I was four. I mean, I'm 45 now, so, you know, I've lived with these things around me. Something with computers just clicked. It, it's just logical, it's a sequence, it's a set of rules, and it's, it's governed by you. So there's a control aspect of it. And it just clicked with me. And I think when I was going to college, I chose to do computing. And it was, for me, it just worked for me. Um, when I did my, my college courses and then I decided to go off to university and do a computer science degree which I had to come out of halfway through because it was just too much. Obviously this was way before I even had any idea, you know, we, we didn't have Asperger's and ADHD as something they could give you. So yeah, I, I was kind of fighting with, with my mind with things and so I changed my course um, and my dad sadly passed away and that kind of threw it in, you know, threw masses up your head as well. So I completely changed to a different computer course and I, I just took off from there. Um, the, the difficulty has always been though is this, this vicious circle is you need to get into the IT field and you need experience but you can't get experience if you're not in the IT field. Right. Yeah, and by the time you come out of university or college, the qualifications you got are old because it evolves so fast. Yeah, and computer courses are inherently quite expensive. So, yeah, well, the ones that you need to have, you know, to do these jobs. So basically, over the years, I got into where I am now um, effectively through uh, working in a school. I got a job in a school as an IT technician. Um, just go around fixing printers and helping children. Um, and I did that for 11 years, to be fair. And I loved it. it the, the kids made it different every day. It was fun, exciting. You know, you could show them cool, interesting things and then push your knowledge because they'd always try and play games at break time. Yeah. Um, really? Or they'd go to sites that they're not meant to get on. And, and, and so I'd put things in place to test them and then they'd figure ways out that you'd have to work I had to stop them from doing it um and I loved it I really got on with the kids a great deal but it was just when you work in education you're stuck in this trench and it's different the difference between public and and the private sector and and education and the rest of the world is is night and day it's it's, you know you're once you start working in a school to get out of there is is completely different the systems they use in public and private sector are completely different to the education sector but i built my base on my experience and my approach to things so my approach to problems is so much different when you're a computer it buff you can get too deeply into the technical aspects of things but you forget who you're supporting so the people at the other end of a telephone, for example, they don't know what you're talking about. So you can be as tech as you want. They have no idea. They just know they push a button and it switches on. That's all they know. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and I think that's when I was working in the schools, it was a case of you, you stepped back, you stood behind the students and you were explaining to them how to do things. And that's when you realised what you didn't know because when you do IT, you're very used to finding things out for yourself. You've got a good idea. There's yeah. rules that you follow. You know where the save option is. You know where the insert option is. You know how to do this, that, and the other. You step back and you try and explain that to someone. 
and without clicking on anything. And it, it, and I think that's where you learn to cut your teeth. How do you explain it to someone? Um, there was a period of time before I started working in schools, I was working on the phone. And that is incredibly hard. Yes. Um, oh, because you're working because you're working blind and yeah. you don't know what they're looking at because everyone customizes their own computers at home. So you don't know what they're seeing and you well, don't yeah. know what they're interpreting and they'll explain things to you in a different way to the next person. Yeah. So You know, so, I've heard also that um like you can know something all the way as deep as you can possibly know something and then you don't fully know it until you're able to teach it to someone else. Yeah. Is that true you for what you do? Yeah. I think when you, when someone comes up to me and says, Scott, this isn't, this isn't um, working. And <laughs> believe me, you get to the point where I'm, where I'm at the minute where you just say, um, I don't want to do this anymore. You're more than capable of doing this. I've done this a thousand things. And it, I seem to speak to you, there's an echo. And for some reason, it just doesn't get retained by you. Um, so I go and stand next to them and I'll explain to them and take them through it. Because learning for me is by doing. You can read all the books in the world, but unless you physically do it, then you, you, you're not really going to understand how it is in the real world and get, you know, actually learn how to do it yourself because they might click on something and a message comes up that you've never seen before and you're like, oh, never had that. But you with your deducting skills would be able to disarm their anxiety and say, well, actually just ignore that. That's not relevant. If it comes up again, just ignore it. If you could maybe just kind of re... Um, just retell us that thing that we talked about before we started recording about, um, you know, the, the different um, aspects of between Asperger's and ADHD and how, how they fight each oh, other and what you yeah. intend to do about it. Sure, like, that was sure. really cool to hear. And I'd love to have that for a listener. It's, it's only been in the last, well, I, I got referred by my doctor in December last year um, for Asperger's. And then it was only because the way I was talking to someone on Facebook that they said, oh, you've, 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 you've definitely got ADHD. It's like, don't be daft. You know, that, you only have that if you see kids bouncing off the wall. That's what the H stands for. Um, it, it, it didn't really occur to me. It's just like, actually, uh, yeah, easily distracted, can't sleep. Um, can't focus on anything. Um, yeah, I'm ticking a lot of these boxes. <laughs> so of course, I've I've kind of done an online test for it, and it says, "Yep, you've got ADHD." And I'm sitting there going, "Oh, Shuffernell, that's another expense because ADHD isn't the same as an autism test. It's a completely separate thing. So that's an additional expense." Now, I. The way I've seen it and the way it's worked for me last year was a tricky year for me because it hit me hard because of COVID um, was that the way I see ADHD and Asperger's is ADHD allows me to jump around and do lots of different things and multitask. It's a distraction. So I can, I've got a very busy mind. Asperger's allows me to have depth. So sort of ADHD allows me to jump around and, and get distracted Um but the way it affects the Asperger's is it doesn't allow me to get any depth on anything that I start because my brain loses track of what it's doing or loses focus and suddenly I'm distracted and something else comes up and I'm off doing something else. So I'm the sort of person I could be in the middle of something on my computer 
have someone come in and say, Scott, this isn't working in the office upstairs. I can go up and fix that, come back and be completely lost track of what I'm doing. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that for me is a very difficult thing. Whereas, you know, if, if I control the ADHD, then I've got that focus. I can go straight back to where I left off and go straight back to the depth that I was at. ADHD doesn't afford me that. It, it, it's, and the, the, the crazy thing is ADHD is a medicated disorder. So that in itself is, is quite expensive. But I, because of the way it affects the Asperger's, if, if I get the ADHD medicated, then the Asperger's then kicks in and my ability to focus and the depth that I focus at is really my superpower because I, you know, I've, I've, <laughs> this is really naughty. Um, I tried medication that someone had left over. Um, I only found out recently someone else in the office has got ADHD on my team um, and he's younger than I am and his medication's just been changed. And he said, well, I've, I've got this um, concerto. You can try that, but warning now, you try it in the morning. You don't take it after lunchtime because you won't sleep. Okay. Tried one of them tablets and wow. The, the, really? the difference was night and day, yeah. And I think it's my brain wasn't buzzing everywhere, and it's kind of weird because my dad was diagnosed with schizophrenia. And looking back now, because because I understand more about ADHD and Asperger's, I don't think it was schizophrenia. I think it was ADHD. And because of his age, he wouldn't have been diagnosed or even wouldn't have even been considered that he would right. have had that. Because I kind of think, well, where have I got it from? It's not like, well done, Scott, <laughs> you've been blessed with this. And we've run out of all the other skills, so there's a bit of ADHD and Asperger's. Um, <laughs> it's, so, yeah, so it's kind of, where have I got this from? Because it's genetic. Because my son's got autism, and I'm like, well, he's got that from somewhere. And it yeah. normally follows, and I'm like, well, uh, yeah, because the, I think it, the thing is with these some of these conditions, you can... Uh, you, they can get out of hand very quickly if, if not diagnosed at the right age and I think you can struggle as a parent to deal with that and that we struggle with my eldest who's nine because he's on the spectrum and he only got diagnosed two years ago but we had a long time wondering what all these meltdowns were what all these ticks were what, what was going on in his head why he didn't like loud noises and stuff and well, where where am I getting all this from and of course, when he was diagnosed at the time, you get asked the question, has anybody else got anything in your family? And no, not that I know of. Um, <laughs> not, that, not that I was diagnosed. <laughs> yeah. And I think what it is, is I've, I've, over the years, I've developed so many coping strategies and masks so well that, of course, it didn't occur to me that sure. I had all these things going on. Um, obviously I had the busy mind, I've always had a busy mind, I've never been able to sleep. I went to the doctors, they give you sleeping pills, I took one, woke up the next day feeling like a truck had run over me, uh. no thanks, I'm not doing that, that's the wrong medication. So I've just had to deal with it, but things have you get desperate. I a theory about medication. I ha my theory is this, if it is the right medication, it doesn't mm. feel like anything. No. Right. Like if it's right, you don't have I don't want to say there's no such thing as side effects because that that would be uh, misrepresenting what what I'm what I'm saying, I guess. But like for me, for example, uh, you know, for my anxiety medication, um, there was I tried probably four different ones, um, but every single one of them made me a complete zombie. Right. Yeah. Until I was um, uh, until I was prescribed Valium and Valium feels Ooh. like nothing. It feels like just the just the anxiety is gone. I'm not tired. 
I'm not different. I'm not strange. I don't feel weird. I feel like myself, but now not anxious. So I feel like mm. if a medication is right, you actually don't feel it. I hear that because I remember uh, I was I had to get a CAT scan and like I was and I realized huh. that at this point uh, when I started going through that hole that I was uh, very uh, um, what's that word claustrophobic. Oh yeah. <laughs> I didn't know until I got into the hole. I said, "Ah oh, no, take me out of here." <laughs> so I had to get like an open uh, open CAT scan and they had given me a Valium, and boy, I was loopy. You were. I've never seen you so silly. <laughs> And you're normally silly. I am normally silly. I don't, I'm not, I don't remember any of it, but I remember being uh, Thora telling me, "Boy, you were silly." You know, so, clearly uh, that uh, that theory is. It, it, it might hold weight. Yeah, right. Just a theory. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I think it comes down to like, what do you what do you have issues with? What issues does it create for your job? Well, I'm impatient. I don't deal with fluffy people. I can't deal with people that. <laughs> that go all around the subject but don't tell you exactly what the problem is it's like oh, just give me the laptop i'll do it myself you know because i can't deal with with people that give you fluffy responses just tell me yes or no i don't do gray area communication you know everyone's working from a distance now and they don't respond to you in a timely way you can't phone people because they either they're busy or they make themselves out to be busy so it, i've had incredible frustration with, with responses from people and that for me I've, oh, I've raged in the office at work to the point I had a proper meltdown one day and the other two people in the office must be thinking what on earth is going on and I said I said because this was back in June last year I swear to god I've got Asperger's or something. I'm either getting more clever or everyone else is getting more thick. And I don't think I'm getting more clever. So, <laughs> but it, it was I getting that, that, that fluffy. Yeah. I've never heard fluffy used in that way before, but I love it and it's perfect. You're stealing that, aren't I'm you? totally stealing fluffy. <laughs> I don't do fluffy. I just do straight to the point. I'll tell you what it is. I don't. I don't. Now you are direct, and it seems clear that you, you probably communicate well, which would be very difficult difficulty dealing with other people who are you know beat around the bush and are not direct and Thor is my uh my helper here because without her you know she you know I, I'll talk and then she'll say that what the pin is and I'll say yes that that's what I was trying to say thank you for that. <laughs> so that is that makes sense but I have that obstacle as well I, I'm very articulate when it comes to emails and written stuff because I've got time to think and process it plus I can go over I recap and recap and recap yes. I, you know I, it takes me ages to write an email but i'll go over it that many times it has to flow it has to use the right words it has to say the right thing it has to be direct and get to the point i can't do that in a conversation on the phone oh i'll become this fluffy person that says everything else apart from what the problem is and it's just like no that's not what you need in it you need to know what, what's, what's it doing i, I don't know I can see it, and my brain's processing it, and I've got an idea of what to do, but I can't tell you. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, when you when you bring this up, it, it, uh, it makes me wonder how the interview process for this job went uh, for you. Which, you know, was it more fluffy, uh, you know, coming out, or was it more direct? Uh, it was, oh man, I'll tell you what, uh, we, 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 uh, it was 
The one for the council was was interesting because okay. they like they like the whole team building things. You they want to see how you work with other people. Okay, I work great with other people. It's other people working with me that I don't get on with. You know, I don't mind you working with me, but just understand you have to do it my way. Because um, <laughs> I don't agree with what you say. Um, or you'll be doing something and you won't do it the way that I'll do it. So I agree with what you're doing, but I won't agree with the way that you're doing it. Um, but yeah, the, the, the one with the, the council was great because we had to work in a team of two or three of us and we were given a pile of straws and we were given some tape or some plasticine or something. And we, we had to build a structure that would hold something like a roll of tape or something. Um, That's cool. I see, I see you had to discuss with the other people in your team that you didn't have a clue who they were. Yeah. Um, you know what? What sort of was the best idea? What you think's the best reason and why? You test things out, and then you'd each be given a job to do. So, kind of that sort of thing was like. Well, I've been an IT manager before, so I can delegate tasks, but I've always been a little bit edgy about it because I don't want to upset people, and that's always been my problem. I don't want to mess, don't want to annoy anyone. But I'm just going to have to give you this horrible job that I don't want to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, and it's not that I wouldn't do it myself. It's just that I can't be bothered to do it myself because I've done it for so many years. But um, but yeah, that and I had to do. Um, oh yeah, we had to sit in front of the boss, oh the boss man of the whole <laughs> council, right? and and have a, an imaginary kind of support call with somebody. Oh, um, very strange, almost. When you say in front of someone that's going to be your boss, yeah, and you're like, yeah, I'll just have a chat with you. I haven't got a clue, but, you know, I'll go with it. <laughs> um, but it, I think it, it's kind of an odd one that you, you're kind of sat with people that are competing with you and you're working with them. And, and, and I struggled with that to some extent. There's always a level of anxiety that you take to job interviews because you know that you're good enough for the job. But it, it, it's like that bow and arrow and the target syndrome you only get one chance to do that and if you do it right and you've got to do it really well um you say the wrong thing in the wrong order to the wrong person lost it um it was weird i wasn't the most experienced well i say experienced i wasn't experienced in terms of qualifications um there were people that have very up-to-date qualifications in their field which you know you could have all the qualifications in the world, but it comes down to the, the way you are. Um, so if anyone else is out there doing IT and, and you know they want to be really techy, yeah, learn learn your craft, but it's your approach to things which you have to consider. It's your people skills. It's, it's how you can break things down to a level that people will understand. Experience definitely helps you there. Yeah, and that, that covers, that's come for me over time. You know, I've worked in warehouses, I've worked in the insurance industry, I've worked in supermarkets, you know, I've, I've done so many different jobs. And I think that the best one was um, when I worked in a warehouse doing injection molding. And also, when I worked for Kodak, I used to be a print cutter cutting the photographs, you know, and nice. you take it, you know, the old 35 millimeter film, you take awesome. it into the. The, the pharmacy and you say can you process that well it will go to my warehouse and we'd end up processing it and i'd be sat there cutting your photos and putting them in the packet to send them back that would be what i would be doing so okay i have to ask i'm going to interrupt for a second because i need yeah, yeah. to know what is the weirdest most interesting <laughs> or whatever photo that you came across when you did that 
<laughs> I, I, well, the, the digital revolution has took the fun out of it. To be fair, um, yeah. What the, the most we, we used to get so many people think it was great to put a cat in the sink and take a picture of it, or they put a baby. <laughs> They'd think, oh, this would be great. They'd pick up their baby and they'd put the baby in the sink and take a photo of it. <laughs> they'd, oh, my, well, there's this obsession with putting things in sinks and taking pictures. <laughs> it was, and it was just bizarre. It's just, it's another one that, yeah, they do, they just do some run, they take pictures of random stuff. <laughs> it's just, why are you doing it? Or they'd, They'd put the they try they'd, they'd attempt to put the dog in the bath, which no dog ever wants to go in the bath, and he'd make a right mess, and someone would be stood there over the shoulder taking a picture. Get, get the, the, and we'd always get them. That'd be like a daily occurrence of getting those random pictures of pets and people in sinks and baths. That's hilarious. <laughs> I just watched a video yesterday, and that, it does change everything. Having the internet, you know, now it's like, uh, you know, I'm forty-three, right? Yeah, you're... You know, 443 and 45. Hey, we're the same age. I know, for you're now. You're an old fart. You'll be old in a few more days, so... <laughs> I know. And I'm I can call you old for the rest of the year. I know. Um, but it was, uh, you know, so yeah, that's changed everything because we didn't have all that, so it was in these pictures, but uh, I just recently I watched a video the other day. It was like, you know, how to get your dog to take a bath, and they, they took peanut butter and put it all on the side of the tub, you know, the dog came in, is licking up the peanut butter, and they're giving the dog a bath, you know, and the... And the peanut butter's gone. It had like, you know, the captions like, now the dog's like, where's the peanut butter? Wait, what happened to me? You know, <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah, actually, the caption should be, and because we used to look at, because you look at the animal's faces, and the <laughs> yeah. animal's face says everything. And it, it's not, I'm loving this. The question is, why? Yeah. <laughs> why have you put me in the sink right. I never go in the sink you don't even allow me to jump on the sideboard to eat anything but you've put me in the sink <laughs> <laughs> who said who's telling us that they didn't like uh, as they noticed as their pet got older it likes to have their picture taken less and less like they know what's going they're like alright we've done this before can you just leave me alone for goodness sake <laughs> Oh, the one exception to the rule, I believe it was, I want to say, uh, either my cousin or one of my friends, um, just posted a picture of her cat who goes intentionally into the tub because she likes the acoustics of her meow oh, that's when funny. she's in the tub. It's like a singing cat. <laughs> yeah, she was describing, like, the like watching the, the cat actually realize. She actually watched the cat, like, accidentally, you know, do this little run thing and meow while she was in the in the tub and just kind of pause. Ooh, that's good. And like did it again. Boy, I'm good. Get <laughs> <laughs> that camera out. <laughs> it's a cultural experience. So sad. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, so um, I guess uh, back on track. Well, we're <clears throat> getting more serious. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh yeah. <man. laughs> um. So what are there some examples of something that your boss maybe either already does or that you're looking for your boss to do after your diagnosis that would help support you at your job uh, kind or of accommodations or something? Yeah. For, for me, no. Um, it's more for me, it's more of a tick box exercise to say, yes, I've got this. And if anyone wants to turn around and just start saying, Scott, you shouldn't say that. Well, I just did. And this is this is a piece of paper to say why. Go away. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> no, 
<laughs> deal with it. You know, wind your neck in, go away. I have to look at your face. So you got to deal with this. Now, do you think that yeah. changes? And I'm going to let you answer. Still, I apologize, but I, do you think it changes because you're older and you've dealt with and and done enough masking and 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 have your ways of dealing with who you are and and how to accommodate your own uh, way through things? You think that changes for you, like as opposed to maybe someone younger who's uh, yeah. Okay. I think for me, I've I've done enough jobs, work with enough different people, and and know how to I, I think I've kind of got the experience of how to deal with different types of people my my biggest asset is I read people yeah um and so this is why as I'm saying the COVID and the distance working thing is, is for me is a nightmare because I read people the way they are the way they talk the way they they stand there their attitude everything you can you can tell how someone is yeah not by what they say but what they don't say and for me, that's my protection mechanism. That's the way I stop myself saying things that I possibly shouldn't do because I kind of put my feelers out and say things in a certain way, get a response, and then I know to back off. Um, so for me, that's the way I've dealt with it over the years. You know, I've, I've done lots of different jobs, which for me is, is also my strength because um, I've got lots of skills from different areas that I can now put into my job now. I've got people skills. I can talk to people. Um, I don't like being in a room, lots of people that I don't know. So, you know, anxiety attack, working in the school, doing an assembly when you've got 300 kids looking at you at the same time, you know, if if you want to be judged, do that. Um, But, but yeah, right, with with work, it, it tends to be all because I've got this thing in my head. Is like I get anxious. I've got anxiety as well. I've got OCD. So it's it's a case of I am really fussy about environments, how things should be laid out, how things should be done. Um, but I get anxious about a lot of things about what I've said, how I've done things, how I've come across to people. Mm. So I'll do a lot of evaluating afterwards after I've had a meeting or some. Did I say this the right way? Did I come across the way right way? Was was I saying it in the manner which they didn't think I was an idiot? You know, <laughs> was I being offensive? Was I too brutal with them? Because I can be very straight to the point. So, so for me, you know, all those skills from all those different years working in different places. With my age, I can you know I don't need to be the most skilled person in the world. In the world, my approach to things is what people are after. Yeah. Um, you know, your work ethic, your approach to things, it's, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Um, so you, you can be a very technical person, but if you don't say it in the right way, then you're of no use to any. Um, plus, people have enough anxieties as it is, and you have to be able to disarm that. Um, people have, especially recently, they've got problems with seeing people. They've got... A, with being around people and the last thing they will do is switch on the computer and have a shed load of issues that just feeds the anxiety you know they've just had a letter come through the door that they've got to deal with their kids off sick or you know their jobs just told them they've got a, they've, they've got something going on they're going to change departments they've got all of that going on the last thing they want is for you to be techie and be really anal and horrible about something which you could make their job easier with yeah. um, so it doesn't take much to be nice to people just say, don't worry about it I'll sort it. 
That's my nice. problem. Yeah. yeah. You know. Now, if you were if you were twenty again, would you know? You know, knowing what you know now, would there be accommodations that you would have asked for at twenty? Uh, at university, yes. Um, because exams at university are hard. Yes. And especially when you've got ADHD and you have no idea why your brain is buzzing all over the place. Why are you anxious for? Why are you anxious on a level that you don't even want to walk into the exam room, you know? And I remember that dictated an awful lot of my outcome from uni. So for me, if I knew then what I knew now, then yes, full on, I'd go and get it diagnosed and, and treated then because I think for, I well, say so being a better place than what I am now, I'm really grateful for for the position I'm in now. I've got a really supportive team and they understand and you know we're always helping each other. But maybe I'd be in a better paid position than what I am now in doing a completely different job um, because I've got I could have got the grades because I could have focused on my exams because I was terrible for procrastinating and it was a case of you know you you. You got your uh, paper that's shewing in two weeks. Oh, it's two weeks. I'll leave it for a week. I'll be fine. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And then you realise that week that everyone else wants theirs done that week as well. And you're like, oh my god, I can't do this. And you shut down. Um, so yeah, but I'd love to. I'd love to have had this diagnosed when I was in my teens, and, and maybe everything would have been a lot easier than what it is now. But what they have to understand is there are other people in. You know the council and other walks of life that have these conditions that they don't know that they've got them you know and, and you so also got to think you also got to think uh, uh you know it changes uh generational you know with that you know you, you, with your dad maybe being misdiagnosed you know but having your son diagnosed and then having you diagnosed hmm. and then you know as generations go then it becomes a family of you know, say hey have you had anybody in the family with such and such and you say well yes i have a whole history you know and it makes it easier for people later on in life your grandchildren you know what i mean it's it, which is kind of a Neat thing to <laughs> not even just in the family unit, but also like um, you know radiating outward, you yes. know, uh, in in the the bigger scheme of things in society. You know, more and more people, you know, being diagnosed, more and more people knowing early enough, and more people understanding what it is. Um, I think would just make everybody's lives better, not just ours. Absolutely, no, that's very that's very true. I think for me, I can see it now in my kids better. And I always was able to deal with um, children that had needs or, or, or were seen as just annoying and frustrating. It's like, no, they're not annoying and frustrating. They're, they're annoying and frustrating because you've got this vision of what they should be like and right. how they should respond to you. Yes. Um, but but when you step back from that and actually spend some time with them, you understand exactly how they're thinking and why they're thinking like that. But it's um, I can pick up now and see things in in my kids that i never seen before. And I think that's, it's only because of my experience I appreciate now, like the loud noises and the you know, disruption and people changing things at the last minute. And, yeah, I, I hate that, hate that. And I now understand why my eldest son hated that. You know, I understand that my, my five-year-old could be on the way to having that. Yeah. So, but but you know what to look for, and you can deal with it now. He's not waiting forty five years. Right. He's five. Yep. So you know what you're you know you're, you're making sure that his life is going to be a lot easier than yours is. 
And that and for me is priceless. That is the yeah. goal. You know, give our kids a better life than we had. Yeah. It's, a, it's almost like you wouldn't want to really change your life at this point because you know more by having gone through something, uh, you, know, you know what I mean, where you sure, can yeah. do more for people and, of course... Um, even yeah, but you know, uh, but you know that we are going to fight for those things to happen for our kids younger than than. That's true. Absolutely. You know. No, and I, it comes down to what I said before. It, it's not. It's not what you say. It's how you say it. You're delivering the same thing, but you're doing it in a way that that works for the person that you're dealing with. Be it your son, your you know your children, your other family members, or, or people that you work with. You you have to sit down and, and work out the sort of people they are and, and kind of tailor what you're going to deliver to how they're going to benefit from it. And, and uh, that's why I've always got time for people. Always got time for people. You, you don't, it doesn't matter how much you can pay people. My time is worth more than any money in the world. So I'll sit, I'll spend my 10 minutes and I'll get told off. doesn't matter, but your life's a little bit easy as a result. So I yeah, love that. I do too. I find you an inspirational person. I think you're the kind of person that makes a difference for people in their lives. You know, one-on-one, one person at a time, uh, you know, there's going to be people who have, you've come across where um, they're going to say, you know, this is Scott, he made it, you know, he said this in my life and they, and they, you know, later on in their lives, they do something different. So I think that's fantastic. I love that. There's that, those moments. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you're okay, let's, mm. let's wrap up with the million dollar question. Um, so, so given all of the things that you have learned how to cope with, all of the struggles, all of the things you've learned because of them, and then also all of the benefits, all the good things that um, that you have that you have just because of the the way your brain works. Ooh. If you could put all that into a package called a job, hmm. what would that job be? Do you know? Oh. I don't know. I think I've. Don't bit, I love my job, right? Because yeah, sure, I can. Yeah. I, I've got a huge amount of control over what I do, but I know it's also a very volatile field. So, you know, if you don't like change, <laughs> IT isn't for you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I've I've recently I've always been fascinated. When I was at college, I did psychology, I did communication studies. I loved it. Got the best grade of all my A levels through that. Um, and I've always had this passion for psychology, and I think it's it's only in the last twelve months, two years, I've really got deeply into that because, you know, it's helping people to understand themselves. I, you know, I've meditated a lot and things, and why do I think like this? Why do I do that that way? Why why do I? Do... And so I think for me, psychology would be one area that I'd love to get into, just to go out and, and help people understand more about why they do things a certain way and probably just give them coping mechanisms. I'll sit down and tell people, well, you could try this or have you tried this? It could be thinking of it like this. Oh, yeah, I never thought of it like that. So it, it's kind of helping. The psychology for me will be like, okay, so now I understand why I think in a certain way, why I'm doing something in a certain way. I can now help others understand as well. And it's it, it, and, and that way, if you know how to, if if you know yourself, I mean, you know yourself. Why do you do things a certain way? Because that's just the way I work. You, but why? Yeah. <laughs> and once you understand that, you then have a tolerance for other people that do it that way because you understand your own anxieties and issues. 
Um, so psychology, yes. But yes, yeah, psychologist, I suppose. For me, really? IT That's is awesome. a difficult field. IT, IT is a difficult field if you don't like change. Um, and I embrace it, but at the same time, I hate it. I mean, we've got yeah. Windows 11 coming out. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's problems like that that give me anxiety because I'm like, it's going to happen. It's not like it's not going to happen, but it, it, that's that's my job. That's what I'm paid to do. Um, but, yes, yeah, so, uh, psychology. <laughs> you sound, you sound <laughs> a awesome. lot like Adam in that way. You you sound like – because what, what my anxiety happens after the fact. Right. Yeah. I just do what I do, say what I say and be who I am. And then after the fact, I'm going to go, "Ooh, that came across that way. Oh, did that person yeah. think so? All of my stuff is after the fact. Adam's anxiety is all prior to things. So like the, the fear of the change, he knows the change is coming and he will spend three days not sleeping because he knows it's, co- he knows mm-hmm. it's coming. Uh, but then as soon as it happens, he's like, OK, uh, I have now you know, shifted and I understand what I need to do to make this change work. And then he's perfectly fine. Well, and I've over, yeah, I've overthought it for three days and figured out every possible scenario and, and wrapped my head completely <laughs> around the change and how it's going to work and, and, and what's good and what's bad before it's even happened. And so then when it happens, it's, yeah, it's like over prepare and then go with the flow. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I like the, it's like, remember when the film inside out came out? And yes. it was yes. all about how, yeah, that, and I kind of see it, but except you've got two more characters. One's called Asperger's and one's called ADHD. <laughs> nice. And ADHD is a bit off the rails because he doesn't like to stay on too long. <laughs> I want to focus on that. And ADHD can go, no, you're not going to do that. That needs to be done over there. Well, that, that's the way I kind of see it. So, yeah, I, I get anxiety about going in for summit. Then I've got the whole um, impulsiveness of ADHD as like. I'll stuff it. Just let's just go and do it anyway. You know, if they don't like it, they don't like it. And then you come out of it after thinking, "Oh God, I shouldn't have done that that way." <laughs> so you get your kind of like anxiety before. It's like an anxiety sandwich. Anxiety before you go in, say everything that you wanted to say in the way that you just say it, and then come out having anxiety, thinking, oh, God, oh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I'm not sure I could do both. I would, I would lose, uh, yeah, I'd have a really hard time if I had to do both. But at least you'd be full. It's a sandwich. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Scott, I appreciate you being with us today. It's been awesome. Yeah, thank you for taking your time fun. to chat with us. We fun. have really enjoyed hanging out with you. I've, I've noticed it. The podcast is a bit longer than normal, but uh, I, yeah, I talk a lot, but I say it as it is, and I have a laugh with it. It's just like I am what I am. If you don't like it, that's fine. You sound like me right <laughs> there. Yeah. I was gonna say. Now we've had we've had interviews. Uh, now we've had interviews that have lasted you know almost three hours, uh, and then they which you know, I edit them down to about forty minutes. You know, it's like because. <laughs> And a lot of it is we're just hanging out talking, you know, we get off topic and we're just having a good time. I mean, it's neat to be able to talk to people, you know, anywhere in the world and to really get to know other people like ourselves, you know, where it's, we're all, you know, we're all dealing with struggle. We're all, but it's, it's this connection, this humanity that we get to interact with people. And I absolutely love it. It's, you know, I was terrified Mm -hmm. of doing this when Thor first asked me, I was like, oh, yeah. I don't want any part of that, you know? And so, uh, um, but then once we go to do it, it always feels good. Yeah. There's always something that we uh, get out of um, uh, talking with somebody, and it's brilliant, and I love it. 
Is this thing on? Is this thing on? It looks like we lost Scott at the end of our uh, episode, but if he was here still, he would say bye, and he absolutely loves us, and we loved you, Scott. You were fun to talk to. Uh, Thanks for listening to us, everybody. Thanks for being here. We'll be here again next week. Um, We do need more guests. Please come chat with us. Go to our website, carveresumes.com. Go to the podcast page, and at the top, there's just the little two boxes, your name and your email. Thanks a lot. See you next time.